Are you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Back to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Nathaniel Mir, and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the self-proclaimed Mac Daddy of Adventures in Movies. Does, is that me? I'm the self-proclaimed Mac Daddy. Danny, I'm I've heard Danny. you mutter under your breath. <laughs> <laughs> I am Danny. I am oh. a Mac Daddy. Also joining us is the man whose talents are as unlimited as Olive Garden breadsticks. <laughs> Nice. I was hoping you were going to call me the Daddy Mac. Of, oh, uh, man. Damn it. Man. Easy crisscross joke. <laughs> <laughs> the musical show. I thought that's, oh, man. I thought that's what we were setting up. All right. Cool. No, but thanks. sorry. You gave me way too much credit. <laughs> but you're right. I am, I am delicious like a garlic breadstick. You can never Speaking get it. Which at Subway they have a new bread. It's a garlicky cheese or something like that. Very good. I give it the highest recommendation. <laughs> Stop whatever you're doing. Go to Subway and get this. It's lipstick on yeah, a pig. Huh? <laughs> so this week, the big news, I'm guessing, is after about a year of anticipation, Disney Plus is here. It's upon us. Mm-hmm. So I guess right off the bat, my first question. Um, I know, Danny, you got it. Yes. Uh, Blake, did you, did you get it or are you waiting? No, I'm waiting. I'm holding out. Um, I... The only reason I'm holding out really is uh, I'm trying to figure out which um, package I want to do or whatnot. But I, I have so many like already streaming things that I feel like I might just get like the normal one. I might get it tonight, just the base, whatever, seven bucks a month or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Uh, so have you gotten it, Pat? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually did go with the bundle because uh, I already have Hulu. And uh, I, I ain't going to lie. When, when Danny and I first talked about Disney Plus, I was like very, very, very excited about it. Yeah. And then. You know, that was like, I don't know, 13 months ago or something <laughs> that uh, I kind of kind of forgot about it until uh, the 11th. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, that's tomorrow. And I immediately thought they said they're going to have a bundle. I really want ESPN Plus because I really want to watch those 30 for 30 documentaries because they're oh. awesome. So is that so that's the kicker. That's the only place that those docs are going to be is on that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. remember, I I think so because I know they were on ES on a uh, Netflix. Yeah, and then you know they wisely took them from Netflix because I mean, unless you're a super sports fan, there's like no reason to get ESPN Plus. Well, yeah. So but, I was gonna talk to you about like what is it exactly? So you get access to that stuff. Do you get sports, live sports stuff? What, what's the? Do, what, what yeah, actually. So-, uh, so here's here's the the big admission I guess that I have. I have watched absolutely zero things on Disney Plus. Oh. Um, I have <laughs> I have gone through ESPN Plus. Uh, I don't know, like about an hour, hour and a half or so. Really? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of live sports on it. Um, there was like yesterday, there was lots of uh, college basketball. Um, and I'm I mean I'm talking about like South Dakota State against I don't know Western Hawaii or whatever. Like nice. They have all kinds. Of, nice. But they also. Hey, I just went and saw had, uh, UTEP uh, play the NMSU uh, last night. 
Miners and Miners. Yeah, Miners and Miners. I saw that. Um, yeah, they have games on there. And then they have like, uh, you remember NFL Primetime? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. uh, that. That's on there. Um, with Boomer. I, with Boomer, <laughs> he's back. <laughs> and uh, Keith Jackson was that his partner? Yeah, Keith Jackson. Yeah, yeah, they were they were there on there. But, um, or no, is it Keith Jackson? I don't know. Something Jackson. The the dude who played for the Denver Broncos. (laughs) That dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, they have they have a bunch of other series. Like uh, I guess there's Kobe Bryant does something that's on there, and uh, Peyton's place, which is like stuff that man. I guess Peyton Manning talking about quarterbacks. I guess. Um, Yeah, he goes around and like interviews people. It seems pretty cool. Really? Yeah, yeah. He had like uh, what's his name on there? Uh, Grappolo was on there, and and I saw that there's like a bunch of episodes of them. There's a lot of them, (laughs) but um. The draw for me was, uh, and, and eventually I'll get to Disney Plus because I mean it has all the Simpsons on it and it has a lot of cool movies on it. But uh, I really, really, really like those Thirty for Thirty docs. I mean they're amazing. Um, if you're, you don't have to be a sports because I'm not the biggest sports fan, but I mean ESPN Plus really awesome. My sister was the one that got it and she put my email on it, so it's kind of like a nearly Christmas gift type of thing. So I feel like we kind of fucked up, but. <laughs> But I, I again, like she's not the biggest sports fan, and I don't think she knew what ESPN offers really. And uh, in a way, I, I was kind of I was looking at the bundle, the bundles, and I think I was like, well, if ESPN only had, because I thought it was going to show like NFL, and I was like, maybe this is going to be a good thing for like my dad, uh, so he could watch Monday Night Football. But it didn't become that, so I was like, I thought like the value on that just kind of like devalued a little bit, but uh, because we don't have cable. And instead of him listening to the games on, you know, on the radio or whatever, like, I was like, this would be a nice little thing for all of us. But uh, I guess she she made that final decision. Um, also, like at 340 in the morning, I got an email saying, hey, congratulations on receiving Disney Plus. So I was like, the fuck is going on? Uh, but yeah, I think on my end, I I did a lot of the Disney Plus things because uh, we just got the, the year, essentially the, the standard plan. 70 bucks a year and yeah. uh and I, I think it's a steal if more streaming services like bundled a, a full year i think i would it'd be a lot easier on the wallet i think uh instead of like paying you know eight bucks uh 15 bucks a month or whatever uh, i think this deal or even the 14 bucks like hulu espn all of that is a very good steal too um but i did the disney plus side and i i i did a little a little bit of everything i watched some uh the movie i, I watched the exclusive stuff um uh, i watched some stuff that i've seen on like on disney xd um but uh, the things that i watched of course was uh lady and the tramp which i think everybody was waiting for fucking this movie and uh for being did you make a big bowl of spaghetti <laughs> 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 You know what? I did, uh, and it hurt my tummy a lot. Uh, I'm not a very good cook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm an excellent cook, actually. But uh, not to toot my own horn. But uh, <laughs> you know, like th- these, uh, these, uh, these uh, live action films. And I was thinking, like, if we get them more straight to, I guess, video. This is what this would be straight to video. Uh, the quality is a little bit better. I think this is a lot better than what Lion King was. And that movie, you know, they put all the stops to it. Uh, and then I watched uh, A World According to Jeff Goldblum, which is a Nat Geo thing. Uh, right. So, so, so here's here's my problem about the Nat Geo thing. It's very underwhelming. It's uh, not 
as diverse as, as I thought it was going to have. It's great that we get a lot of like the nature documentaries and some like the reality veterinary shows. Uh, but Nat Geo has a lot more cooler things than those things than those actual shows, and it's just very skim. Um, and I was very disappointed with that. And um, some, and then I just you know I watched The Mandalorian, which is a, f- a great fucking show. And if you guys, well, I know Blake hasn't seen it, but Pat, if you haven't seen it, this is one of the things that I, I think this is the what's it called the the app killer or the killer app for the, the Halo killer. The Halo Killer, yeah, it's the Halo Killer for for this uh, Disney Plus. Uh, it's a really good show, but um, I really like I really like this. And um, what else did I, I? And I watched uh, some shorts. But uh, again, it's it's all Disney related, and it's really fucking crazy that this app has so much shit, and it feels kind of like oh, like there's a lot to see. You have your class, you again. If you have ESPN, you have your ESPN stuff. Uh, you have your Marvel. You have everything is kind of curated to what you want to see, and it, it, it's pretty cool. It's just there's a lot, and maybe if you just want to see a certain thing, you might just go down a rabbit hole, and it's it's fucking crazy. It's really it's, it's just a lot. <laughs> that was a lot. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you uh if you have you have Ryzen, right, Blake? I do. Do you have the unlimited plan? Because I, I think you can get uh, Disney Plus for free for a year if you have the yes. unlimited. There's like three, one, there's three things that you can, one of three things that you can have that allows you to get it for free. So, so would I uh, have to like, would that require me going down to talk to Verizon? Because fuck that, I'd rather fucking be in hell for eternity. <laughs> All you could do is actually, if you have the Verizon app, uh, once you get on there, you just uh, there's a thing that says uh, Disney Plus on us. You click uh-huh. on it, it's roll, and then you're in. Hmm. Well, if it's not like pulling fucking teeth like they make everything, I'll I'll give it a shot. <laughs> so in conclusion, uh, Disney Plus is awesome on its own. Uh, the bundle is pretty cool, too, but that might be a little more niche. But, uh, yeah, it's off to a good start. Um, I give it the highest recommendation possible. So uh, in the past, we've talked a lot about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and... Uh, in particular, we talked a lot about Nightmare on Elm Street too. I know during our, our during uh, Pride Month, we that came up a few times over the course of the month. Um, I always forget. I know we've probably asked this a few times. I know Blake, you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street too. Have you seen Nightmare on Elm Street too, Danny? Yeah, we didn't. We all see it together for the old podcast. Uh, I always watch it. I, I always watch it alone for reasons. That we're seeing. Uh, so, uh, we had a chance to interview Mark Patton, who is um, Jesse from Nightmare on Elm Street 2 for uh, Nightmare fans. Um, he recently did a documentary called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Very, very interesting documentary that kind of chronicles his life up until Nightmare and kind of how it changed his life and how he came out afterwards but uh he gave me the opportunity to speak with him a a few months back and here's what he had to say you described scream queen how would i describe Scream Queen? well it's um i guess it takes it begins with nightmare on elm street and then sort of takes you on a deep dive into the 1980s um politically socially um and it's fun but um it's a pretty deep story. It's not exactly what people are expecting, I think, you know. But I love it, obviously. 
<laughs> That's a good way to put it. It isn't what you expected. How would you describe it? I would describe it as a as a historical fun ride wrapped in a Nightmare on Elm Street sweater. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Actually. Yeah. What you, what inspired you to create it? Well, Mark inspired me to create it. I think that being a longtime horror fan, I was I was my eye was on this, um, just on Nightmare on Elm Street in general. So right. you know, if if you're not someone that's following the franchise, it would probably not be something that you're aware of but that documentary Never Sleep Again had yes. really kind of launched this they're, they're the ones that really brought this this topic into the conversation and, and uh, we just took it from there I guess yeah. it was definitely like carrying the torch it was a, a deeper dive into the time period and to Mark's story and uh, you mentioned being a horror fan were you a nightmare fan? oh absolutely oh yes, yes. that's actually how we met is I have this oh, wow. Freddy Krueger phone tattoo, and I, we were working on a job together, and I hadn't met him yet, but I overheard him talk about this project and about to start it, and I just kind of showed my tattoo. I'm like, I'm a nerd as well. I'm going to be a part of this. So, yeah. Um, Nightmare 2, and you discussed it in the documentary that a lot of people, not really big fans of it. Um, how did you feel when you first saw it? So I saw it pretty much when it came out, right. and... I loved it because it was a super scary movie. We rented movies from the, the video store. You watch them. No one was really that concerned at the time with like, is this a, you know an amazing movie? We just wanted to have a good time. That's right. what 80s slashers were for. It's true. So when this conversation started where it was like, this one is not good for whatever reasons, that was kind of out of the ordinary because people were accepting a lot of really bad movies. you know. <laughs> and do. this one isn't a bad movie. Right. But it was being thrown in that category. And so as I got older and I started hearing the, the slander, oh, it's the gay one. I'm like, well, I'm a gay one too. So <laughs> do I get thrown in that trash? Right, right. So that's kind of where it started for me. But Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was the very first movie that made me fall in love with horror movies. It was oh, a, wow. I, I liked, you know, Carol Ann and, and, and Polk. You know, I love ghost stories, but this is right. the first one that was really, like, meant to be horrifying, like, and, and I braved getting through it, and then I was like, wow, I, I felt like I could challenge myself and live up to those things and, I don't know, kind of defined how I, how I interact in this world. But right. I was a second-generation Nightmare fan. I didn't find these movies until the 90s. Oh, wow. And at that point, I had gone totally out of order. I started at number five. And then That's the real rate. worst one. Well, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's got their opinions. <laughs> but... Um, the, re- the negative reputation of the second one was right. already in place. So while I was getting these f- films from my older sister, I never saw the second one right away. It wasn't until many years later, until Never Sleep Again, that I was like, oh my God, I need to like go back. Because I can't believe I missed all that. Right. And when you, no one goes out to make a bad movie. But did you, are you surprised that it's been so endearing? And what makes it so endearing? Well, I don't think it's a bad movie, first of all. So, and I actually, I'm a, I'm a, a person that's very interested in language, first of all, and I'm interested in the truth and facts. So that's why after Never Sleep Again, I wanted to move 
forward with this documentary. Because first of all, Nightmare on Elm Street was very successful, part two. It was yes. very successful. It was successful financially, mm -hmm. um, more so than the first or the third. It is uh, it made ten times its budget back. Right. Um, it also was critically very well received from the New York Times, London Tribune, all those big movies. It wasn't until um, maybe six months or a year that, that it really started to go, oh, that's a bad movie. Right. Right. And what they meant by a bad movie was it was a gay movie for some people. Right. And that was bad. They just interspersed those words. Um, and or it was had to do more with Wes Craven, John, uh, sort of ignoring part two. John, he didn't want a, a franchise. He right. started with one. He came back for three when he realized there was a great deal of money to be made. And he threw the biggest insult at a fellow worker that he could. He just ignored our work. He pretended it never happened. So of course Nightmare on Elm Street 2 doesn't fit in the franchise because it was excluded from this franchise on purpose. It's a standalone movie. And I am a great believer in the movie. I think it's a, a very good movie. Um, I think it holds up today. I think the, you know, besides myself, I think the acting is excellent in the movie. I think Robert's amazing. Kim is wonderful. And in Europe, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was released first before they think that the original Nightmare on Elm Street was a prequel. Um, and it's, you know, it's loved. It's beloved. So I decided I wanted to come back after a, a long journey to come back and save Jesse and also to save the movie. And that was my intention. Because I meet all kinds of people who would say, oh, that's a horrible movie, you know, never saw it. Right, right. You know what I mean? They just like, oh, I'm not going to see that one because it's really bad. Mm -hmm. um, and then they haven't seen it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm a big one for contempt prior to investigation. If you don't know what you're talking about, then yeah, shut are you it. just parroting what's been told right, to you? Been told to you before. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, and people right. come at from different, different, you know, for some people... Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is the best of them. Yes, I've and heard that. You know, it's the most fondly remembered. And so, and I deal with that all the time. So I have a tendency to hear the good stuff, not the bad stuff. Well, you mentioned coming back from a long journey. So you did Nightmare 2 and then you kind of disappeared. They found you for Never Sleep mm -hmm. Again. And for this documentary, you're very open, very open for well, someone. Was... I didn't, I didn't kind of disappear. I chose to leave. Right. Yes. If you look at my career, there are no claw marks trying to hold on to. I right. finished one day and I left. I closed up shop, and I closed up shops for very specific reasons, and it had to do with homophobia and the the AIDS epidemic that was happening at the time. And I watched. I was watching a generation of people die, and nobody was noticing in right. the government. So I did go away, and when I came back, I came back with the same agenda. I mean, there's no mistaking that I'm here telling the story. I want right. to tell the story. Um, and I think it's important for young gay people to know it. I think it's important for young straight people to know it. <laughs> that the, the freedoms that we have uh, in this country are hard won. That nobody gave us anything, and they will take it away from you like that. Right. And in the political environment that we're in right now, it's especially important, especially for gay and lesbian people, to know that uh, you got to hold on to the truth. You know what I mean? It's like Cher. Have you seen the movie yet? Yes. yes okay. Yes. So when Cher says to me, um, you know, 
in show business, always do what's best for you. Yes. Because that's what everybody else is going to be doing. That's what I'm doing today. I'm doing what's best for me and for my reputation and for what I believe to be true of Nightmare on Elm Street, not what anybody else has to say about it. Because, quite frankly, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Good. Um, not only is it kind of scary for people to be involved, it's kind of scary to listen. Did someone be so open while you were making the film that it, were you ever like, okay, you're saying a whole lot? Scared? Well, it was... So what happens is when Mark is being open and it's and our interviews weren't 20 minutes long. They were right. hours long, usually. And they we always end up somewhere we didn't expect, all of us. Right. So what happens is through someone else's truth through their experiences little doors inside yourself are starting to open up and then it become you start realizing there's things there's parallels in your own life and so it becomes a sort of catharsis event and it was very emotional it was very healing i think for all of us involved um but also i think like in mark's case he was completely open from the start but then there's also more things that he's discovering along the way too. So I think it was it wasn't just like everything was set and finalized and, and healed. That was happening in real time. So I don't know if we were really prepared for it. We all just went with it. You got you almost like answered a question that had, there's a lot of what ifs in the movie. Like what if he didn't do nightmare? What if he didn't move in with a certain person? Mm. Um, and I was going to ask how cathartic... Because there's a big thing in moving forward in this entire movie. I was going to ask about the catharsis of it, but well, <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm speaking about it through his, his terms and, and how it felt for me, but just on a social level, it's really important too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, but moving forward, I think in order to do that, we have to feel good about ourselves as gay people, first of all. Right. And that's the challenge. I think that's kind of on being able to reach out to the younger people or the older people that have buried a lot of things, like get living through that experience. In order to get to the other side, you have to kind of close some doors. That was a feeling that was coming up a lot while we were putting this film together. It's just how all of our internalized homophobia expresses itself in our lives and how we've seen ourselves depicted in stories and media before. And feel like there's a very narrow window in which we are allowed to exist in culture and anything right. outside of that is to be shunned and either snuffed out or pushed into the, the margins and I feel like we're all now that the world is getting better we're also a little cautious because we know yes. how delicate everything is and um, what do you guys think changed the narrative of Nightmare? Because I remember when I first heard about it being the gay one. And now I see it on... For Pride Month, we did Queer Horror. Mm-hmm. And Nightmare 2 was like one or two on every single list. So when I was a kid, I was, I was, pretty, I was pretty loud. I was, not, I was not a shy kid. And I, I called myself the bully's bully. Because there were some <laughs> other kids I knew were gay. And they would get picked on. And right. I was kind of the one that... I, I knew my power was that you're a little bit of afraid of me. So I'm going to use that. And I realize if you just like step in and tell people like this is this is what's going to happen, they'll listen to you. And that's what Mark did. He came in. He's like, no, you know what? I'm proud of this movie. And there's no reason for you to be repeating these empty phrases of, oh, it's gay. Jesse's gay. Why is that a bad thing? Like, right. You need to start paying attention to 
how how you're referring to things, you know. And exactly. I, I think he's he changed the script by basically standing up and saying, "I'm confident with how I talk about myself in this movie." So, how what are you going to do about it? <laughs> um, the dancing. Oh, I want to ask about your Lazarus tattoo. Actually, is Lazarus right? Yeah. So I read an article way back when that somewhere. Uh, you have every character you've ever played. You have tattooed on you. Mm-hmm. Oh, somewhere that. they're all over my body. Yeah, you can't see all of them. And what's the meaning of the Lazarus one? Well, uh, as you saw from the movie, I rose from the dead. <laughs> I guess that's the part I really played in my. I die. I mean, I was dead from AIDS. Uh, I mean, literally, uh, they called my family to say to say goodbye to me. Right. So my and you ask about telling the truth and uh, and being open. You don't really know anything about yourself until you die. Mm-hmm. And I lost the ability to walk. I had cancer, pneumocystis pneumonia, tuberculosis. And, uh, I was a pariah. Right. Um, you know, and I had a group of friends who took me in and healed me, and and I got healed from that by never being afraid to tell the truth. You know what I mean. So I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of telling my stories because you can't go and tell them. Right. It's like because you heard them from me. Do you know what I mean? There's an, I don't have secrets, and I don't need any secrets. You know, I mean, I absolutely don't need any secrets. And I do think that it's really important that uh, what Roman was saying was that we have a responsibility to each other. And um, we have a responsibility of being careful with our words and with uh, the, the stories that we tell. Because stories, you know, like, it's like a, I want to sing a musical for you, but I mean, like, really, it's like, the stories you tell come true. Right. You know? And young people are listening to you. And they're listening to what you're saying. And they will say what you're saying. And they're watching you. And they know that you're lying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I just made it a mission to, to stand in the truth. And I, by standing in the truth, the way that things change is they change because of people like me and them. I'm not afraid to tell the truth. I'm not ashamed of who I am. And um, I'm proud of me because I'm a warrior. They're warriors. Right. You know what I mean? It'd be very easy for me to go out on the road and go, ha, 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 take people's money because I get paid a lot of money to do this stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and say, oh, you know, I'll take this away and I'll be comfortable at home in my house in Mexico where nobody knows me. But to go onto a world stage, which is what I did when I exposed my HIV virus, after you do that, after you stand naked in public, you, it, that nothing bothers you. Right, you right. You, you can't shame me, you know? So don't try, you know, because there's no reason to. I do this thing and it's like, uh, it's... It's how I live my life now. Um, you know, like when you go to church, right? And they say, peace be with you. Yes. Okay. I try to do that with people I really don't like, especially. Oh, wow. When I'm offended by people or when right. people hurt me or they throw something cold towards me. I try to reach out and say, you know, not those words, but words similar to them. Mm-hmm. It's like, peace be with you. And they give it back to me. And by doing that, by throwing that out there, I am the beneficiary of all of this. Because I'm the one that receives all the kindness now. Because you know from looking on the internet, I receive a tremendous amount of kindness. Yeah. I don't receive like hateful, like drag queen misspelling things. I, if somebody says that on my pages, there's 25 warriors stepping in saying, 
fuck you. You won't be saying that to Mark, you know, because right. people are kind to me now. And you have to dig deep to find the ugly things about me. It's all right now Mark is a social activist and a healer of the gay community and a, a horror icon, and he's the screen queen, and he's proud of it. You know, so that's it. That's the story. That's, and that's the story we wanted to tell, you know, and I hope that we did tell it, you know. Yeah, it's a very empowering story. Thank you. And it's good that uh, the internet's not a very positive place. That you're right for whatever reason they speak very positively of you. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, like, you know, because I like I, I really stand. I mean, like I'm I'm not playing. I really stand in that light. Right. You know, and I say like this is the truth. And once in a while, I'll like put something political on. You know, only because I feel it's so frightening right now mm-hmm. that I have to say that. But I re- really try not to even do that because because it's interpersonal. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's like I can. I think we need to learn at this point that uh, that I can disagree with you, but I don't have to hate you. Right. right. You know, uh, or I can I can have an opinion about you, but that doesn't mean I have to dismiss you completely, like exactly. that you don't exist. You know. Right. And uh, so I think that's what we're doing here. That's our kind of our little mission. We're a little serious, but we're a lot of fun too. We have a long playing album that's going to be available tomorrow with the soundtrack. Oh, cool! So we have a lot of fun things. Uh, the right. movie is very fun, I think. It is, very but fun. it's also right. very informative, and it's a political document for sure. Yeah. So we'll have our own record we can dance to. Like yes, you Jesse can. Did. Yes, you awesome. can. Well, you can always dance with Jesse. That's, always, that's so exciting. Mm-hmm. So and you ad libbed all that, right? I did. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it was a uh, the original scene I, which I refused to do was uh, that uh, was that I was supposed to put pencils in my nose and do the funky chicken you know and it's like just really it's a fond array I yeah. think that would have worked can you imagine can you imagine if that would have happened but uh, no no that was David's idea did they shoot any of that I, yeah, like, I refused no. I mean it was the only thing that I refused on the movie to do I just said like I'm not doing this you know uh, so pencils and, up the nose is a hard no right? yeah and the funky chicken's a hard no too <laughs> so, looks cool so but I will say that the dancing you know that was really good dancing for the 80s that's how people yeah. danced I was a good dancer and I was dancing and I was still a good dancer I was dancing to private dancer actually the Tina Turner oh, Tina so Turner, if you yes. sync that up you'll see that I was doing a little private dancer, and God knows we didn't know what it was going to turn into. Right. You know what it is now. It's, I used to not like it, but now I kind of love it. You know, so yeah, how do I've you, accepted. How do you yeah, it's feel a great about part. a Freddy's Revenge musical. I would love to. I wrote it myself. Yeah. Actually, I wrote it. I wrote a movie. It was called. Uh, it was the Nightmare on Elm Street musical. Yeah. Right. And then the movie started. The musical starts, and I'm the understudy, and Heather is the star. And then I bind her and stick her in the black closet, <laughs> and I take over, and I'm the Nancy boy. Oh my God! Yeah, oh, I wrote the whole thing. D and I wrote it together. It's yeah. like it's yeah. I'd love to see a Nightmare on Elm Street. Would there be a coming out song? Ah, uh, yeah, of yeah. course there would be. <laughs> but we're not going to do Moulin Rouge. We're going to have to write our own music. I but, know. Yeah, that yeah. would be fun. Yeah, I could do it. I could see it as a musical. Exclusively your first. Yes, right? there you yeah. go. Yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street two. The Freddy's Revenge, the opera. Yeah. The opera. Yeah. I think opera's good. Although, you know, Freddy Krueger would be a fabulous... Would be, yeah, sure. <laughs> That's what the sound person's for. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah, Freddy Krueger would be an actually a fabulous opera. Oh, my God. For real. Yeah, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. Yeah, it would make a good musical, too. Somebody will do it soon. Well, he's oh sassy. His jokes will work. It's like a drag show, <laughs> yeah. really. Right, yeah. Or you could do it with the original ones, and then more dark, almost yeah. like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Uh, he's well, the character. Uh, 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 there is a musical, actually, though. Yeah. I think. I, saw, <laughs> I'm so, I wouldn't be surprised if there was. I saw um, You Don't Know Me last night. Oh, uh, yeah. We're 
was so excited about that. Oh, movie. I thought it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> I but I like Showgirls, so. All right. So but, that's what I think. Yeah, I don't think you have to be a fan to enjoy it, though. It's really interesting. Right. No, yes. I, we just saw the trailer this morning, and it looks fantastic. Oh, it's you well worth you. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't well, try to change me in any way. <laughs> I know. You like, don't know me. Where, like, I mean, Elizabeth and I could sit down and have a conversation about oh my what God, it's like I to be. Well, we were talking oh, with the director yes. last night about uh, that, and I was like, those two have very similar experiences, and it's interesting to see how the reception is towards a girl and then a boy. But also how I don't know. There's a lot of similarities there. Oh, there are. We were really kind of. Mm -hmm. It was a loud. It was a loud drunken party. But like, Jeffrey's his name. We were having a Jeffrey McHale. Yeah, Yeah. he's wonderful. We've seen him at every show so far. Right. Because that movie's doing really well. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 interesting though because we we took opposite approaches to our movies, but we both have kind of a similar mirror on society happening. so yeah where it's fun to hate on something and then you have this huge pile on in culture right and suddenly it's like well someone has to pay the price for that Mm -hmm. and what does that do that's true like the two documents I didn't think about it but the redemption that both of them are having is fabulous exactly yeah Showgirls has seen lots of musicals and parties and Mm -hmm. Nightmares top of a a horror list that's really good Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of Big Bad Freddy Krueger there's interviews with uh, Robert England in the um, documentary he speaks very highly of you Um, what was it like working with him on the set it was you know we were peers you know so Robert was not famous at the time obviously, and he wasn't right. Freddy Krueger. That hadn't really happened yet. So, um, it was fun. He was not actually hired to do the second one. So, when I first started working, he wasn't involved in the movie. Uh, so, he sort of slipped in, you know, like, um, after we'd started. And I'm a big fan of Robert, so I like him. I liked him as an actor. I'd seen him in a movie play an albino uh, in Buster and Billy. I, this movie with Jan Michael Vincent, where he was naked, and I thought it was so cool. Um, <laughs> And uh, maybe he's so hideous in the, like, the end of his life. But, yeah, and, uh, Robert, and I thought, where do they find this albino to, you know, like, to, they can act so well, and it was Robert England. And so, you know, that was, that was it. And we enjoyed, we, we had a very good chemistry, you know, so uh, I enjoyed I'm it. I'm going to ask you a question. Are there films that you watched that you were had to be, like, kind of a gay scavenger and, like, Oh my God! There's a naked man in a movie. That I've Anything never seen. with a naked man. In the movie. <laughs> what, what was that for you? Buster and Billy was one of them. Uh, like boys, that, like Robbie Benson movies were big for my generation because he was so cute and kind of soft. And share, uh, of mm-hmm. course. But I liked. Um, you know, I don't really. You know, I don't really know if there was there was something like that, like Nightmare on Elm Street for me. Uh, I wanted to be in musicals, and um, I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be a movie star, so I just lived out that dream. I've heard from other people that what they were, what they identified with a long time ago, had to do more with like people they thought would accept them more than people that represented them. Oh yeah, and also that like I. I always knew that my, I always thought, even from a very young child, I knew that all of my problems were problems of geography. Yeah, I knew that if I could get someplace like New York or where the fabulous people are, and right. I knew that train was going in that direction, I knew my, I was going there. You know what I mean? Because I'm not, I'm nobody's victim. So, um, you know, it's like I was hopping the first train out of town, 
to the happy times. And so, and I, I'm still that way. I mean, it's like, I live in a fabulous, you know, it's counterintuitive where I live, but I live in a place that's very peaceful right. and quite beautiful and well within my means. Because I wasn't afraid to go to another country where I didn't speak the language and just dive in. Right. You know? So that's kind of my MO. So I'm like, I'll go wherever I'm happy. <laughs> I, I'd rather, they say, would you rather be bright or would you rather be happy? I'd rather be happy. That's good. To be honest with you. You get that very early in the documentary, too, because you, you give yourself the five-year time limit. And yeah, and that, it was so funny because that, you know, that five-year time limit was real. I mean, I have the, the tickets and, you know, the opening night program. And now this opens on my birthday. On uh, Sunday oh, is my wow. birthday. So, and totally by serendipity. So I right. think it's another sign from the universe saying the whole day at Fan Fantastic Fest, our day, we didn't get a little time slot. We got the entire Sunday. Right. It's about us. And so I think that's a huge You're compliment. in for a surprise. We haven't seen this new cut yet. We I'm really, some Oh, yeah. Footage. You haven't. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have stuff you haven't seen. Oh, I'm, yeah, I haven't seen Baby Cut. And I love the the trailer I always I think it's like the new trailer is it's all about me yeah <laughs> I was like well that's so sweet of you guys well it is your birthday so. Is, so I loved it, you know, no so. you're gonna love this new guy it is a, it is officially the premiere this is officially the premiere we have Fantastic Fest was great generous enough to let us show in San Francisco and Outfest in Los Angeles and a number of very big festivals right. but this is our official beginning yeah. and our Chips have been thrown on the table here. We're Never before seen cut. Yeah, we're up totally for finalized, polished, beautiful. It's awesome. <laughs> Sounds nice. good. And all and everybody's fighting over us, and we like yeah. that. Yeah. Really. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Bell of the ball. We can hear the we can hear <laughs> we can hear the chips on the table right. landing. Right. So now, so it's good because this has been a long journey for us. I mean, this yes. is five years. Really. Yeah, I was gonna say I heard about it years ago, years yeah. and years and years ago. And every day was a working day. Do you know right. what I mean? It wasn't like oh yeah. I mean like we really muscled and. This was, you know, self-fund. I mean, we did a nice crowdfunder, and we were grateful to get that sixty thousand dollars. But we funded this movie, right? And we muscled it through. I mean, everything that we had was put in this, you know, and then some, you know, right. with interest. There's some pounds of flesh, but we got it done. And this is the part where we get to start to really enjoy it, you know. So we're and we're going to. Oh yeah. Well, it's about time after all this. <laughs> so what's next for you? Well, I just. Uh, I'm shooting a movie in Portland right now called One Dead Dog. So all of these young film directors have have been many for many years have asked me to be in movies, and I always said no. And uh, then one day the light went on in my head, and I was like, "Honey, if the doors <laughs> open, just walk on through it because it doesn't open for everybody." So I'm, you know, I'm kind of on the market that way. Uh, I'm training. I'm in training to do a TED Talk right now, so oh, I would, cool. which I'd really like to do. Right. And um, I think the future has a lot of that in it for me. I mean, I'm a political ad activist. That's right. what I want to do. And I want to clear the path for younger gay people. But I'm, I'm playing an adult in this movie, and I was not excited about it at all because I thought... Only the young leads get to have any of the fun. And then I was doing this film, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. I don't have to worry about how I look, which is such a freedom. And, um, and you know, there's a lot of colors in being a parent and being a grown-up. And, you know, and doing it your way. And doing it my way, yeah, because I'm playing a pretty cool person in this, uh, in this particular film. So, yeah, so I'm just in it for the ride right now. We have a full... Honestly, a full year ahead of us. I mean, we're on the road for a long time. So uh, we are booked into multiple 
cities on. Well, we, we don't have week, a break for a yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Every week, at least one. We got a couple days out for Thanksgiving. And then that's it. <laughs> oh, the holiday. Yeah. We're, and we'll probably go all the way. I think ultimately. I mean, we're booked right now, but we'll probably go all the way through April yeah. on the road with this. Yeah. So the, I mean, this is a serious. We're jumping out of the genre track and moving into right. the mainstream. So, and it's work. You just you get out there and you hustle it, and you know, that's what we're doing. Well, that's good to hear. I'm looking forward to seeing it on the big screen and bigger markets. Uh, oh my god, yes! I got to see the festival screening. You guys talked about. They sent me a screener for it. I really enjoyed it, but I will see it tomorrow. You know, it's, yes. it's, it's a totally. I mean, I like it small too, right. but it's a totally different experience in the theater when it you is. have the group. The movement. collective, <gasps> yeah, because yeah. and we've yeah. seen it in huge, like in LA, it was at the Grommans, so it was right. like on the biggest screen, and then we've seen it in small theaters with a hundred people, uh, and right. we've seen it, of course, they've they seen all it like, at the right place, and they, yeah, <laughs> they're all grabbing for their tissue at the right place, right, and so yeah. there's that, but then there's also a little difference, and you know, yeah. in the way that it plays, the crowd, anyways. like what you know. What the crowd brings to the audience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Alabama was totally not what you would what I was expecting. You weren't expecting Alabama at all. Wasn't expecting you? Alabama. I mean, it was wonderful because mostly we play for a lot of gay audiences. So mm-hmm. when we go and there's a lot of straight mothers watching this who've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. And then they're affected by the same stuff, but even some unique things that the gay audience is like oh yeah I totally get that and they're like oh my god that's terrible because they it's just interesting to see the different perspectives yeah, but yeah. that they all kind of have a collective it impacts them we were in Alabama we were playing on two screens at the same time ten minutes apart so that right. one would end and I could speak we could speak in front of that audience and, and it was just like Alabama I mean yeah. Birmingham is not Alabama, really. It's like Austin's not really Texas, sort of, in a way. But it was it was illuminating there. And I had a really epiphany in that um, in that time. Some friends of mine from Mississippi saw it, so I like to see what different people from different parts of the country see. You know, so definitely. And we're back. Uh, thank you very much to Mark Patton for the interview. Um, so this week we wanted to talk about musicals. Um, not gonna lie, D- Danny broached the subject to me um, a while a ways back, and I immediately was like, "No, no, no! I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it." Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of music. <laughs> I, I was, I, I was, I was scared because I, I don't watch a lot of music. I'm not a big fan of musical, so um, my knowledge of it is very, very, very uh, sparse. But you know what? We figured that we could also talk about. Um, musicals and movies that are musically inclined uh, it's like wayne's world uh, um, <laughs> so danny this is i had to trade roxy uh Jason bill King, and ted like, yeah, bill and ted. <laughs> yeah. No, um danny you, you you wanted to talk about musicals so uh you and i know you're a fan of them so right off the bat i guess what's your what's your favorite musical can you okay. even pick one I, I can actually, because uh, I blame this on. So everything that I really enjoy, as you guys have noticed before, uh, it's because of my father. Uh, this is becoming like a big therapy session for me now. Take that, uh, Danny's mom. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Even though she did get me into Saturday Night Fever. Fever. Is that what's called? Where? Yeah, that, that, that's a musical yeah. movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's like but, the highest selling soundtrack of all. Well, it was for a long time the highest selling soundtrack. It's I all the Bee Gees, right? It's all Bee Gees, one hundred percent. All Bee Gees stuff. <laughs> all Bee Gees, all night, all the time. Uh, all but the it's time. also a really, 
<laughs> it's a really good album. Anyways, uh, yeah, so my dad actually kind of like forced me to watch uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar, um, which is for kids, I mm-hmm. think, um, a musical awakening because it's, it's loud, it's vibrant. And uh, him telling, because uh, I think everybody has uh, like history with this movie in one way or another. Uh, <laughs> That's so true. You know what's funny about that? So uh, the only, because I've never seen Jesus Christ Superstar. I've heard it mentioned a lot of times. I, I guess I've seen parodies of it, but I, I wouldn't get the joke unless someone told me. But there is one very, very um, uh, vivid memory I have of Jesus Christ Superstar. So you guys probably aren't familiar with superstar Billy Graham, not the preacher. He's the the wrestler who was like 20 years ahead of his time. Like in the 70s, he was like, he was like, I don't know, he, Hulk Hogan like patterned himself after him and then Scott Steiner in later years. But anyway, when the WWF used to use licensed music back in the 80s, superstar Billy Graham's song was like the big song from Jesus Christ Superstar. No. So whenever I hear that song, I think it's superstar Billy Graham. That's awesome. That's that's fucking great. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, everybody has again. This is one of those films that I think has been parodied. Has been. It's just one of the like, Tim Rice's like big uh, songs out there, or albums, or play uh, musicals out there. <laughs> it's got uh, the whitest, blondest Jesus I've ever fucking seen. That is fucking true. <laughs> that is so fucking true. Uh, and just recently, I think John Legend. Uh, People's sexiest uh, man. Uh, Not mine, uh, but people's. (laughs) Yeah, people's. Yeah. Uh, He he played Jesus Christ for uh, NBC's uh, live rendition of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. That's closer. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, But, you know, like, Judas uh, in this, uh, Judas has a really cool song and how he's, again, jealous of fucking Jesus Christ and how he's just going to take him down. And I think that's, like, one of the coolest things. And I was like, I think we're. I never grew up very religious, but this is the closest thing that I have to the Bible, and I wish everything <laughs> in the Bible was like this. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> ironically, uh, written by a guy named Norman Jewison. <laughs> nice. That's actually not ironic. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> oh, it, it could be. You know. Whatever. I don't know. I'm gonna ask Alanis Morissette about that. I think it might be. <laughs> eh, it might be. But uh, yeah, so, so it, it kind of like got me into a lot of like fucking musicals throughout my my life. One that scared the shit out of me. Um, this is probably one of the closest like horror films like to me. Um, and it's Pink Floyd's The Wall. That is a scary uh, movie. That's fucking for like an eight year old that who fucking loves cartoons and all <laughs> yes, that shit. Like it's a lot. It's like almost it's close to pornographic in some parts. It's just like uh, an expression. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm so like mad and sad that you guys couldn't meet him uh, for Clara's wedding, but whatever. Uh, he's a busy man, apparently. Uh, and but you know the whole thing is that like this this uh, this album or and live or this musical movie, uh, it it shows the the life of the, a boy named Pink and how he's just growing up to be essentially like disassociated from himself from his life and it, it's a really really cool like uh interpretations of like how he's going through everything and if you've seen the cover art for pink place the wall essentially it's like one for one type of thing and it's just everything moves really 
very smoothly now as an animated film and even as an album a concept album it's just probably one of the better ones like that i think that i really enjoy and uh, i do go back to this album and video or movie a lot i think just so i could like show everybody this is how you do a music video mm-hmm. or music like or a, just a, a concept album essentially uh, and then everything else after that is essentially like a Disney movie. Um, and I think, uh, Pat, you said you'd never really watched them, but I think one of your, your favorite films is Beauty and the Beast. And I think, again, that is just like a good representation of what a good musical is. And yeah, how, it's just, it's, again, like, and, it, and I just want to like pinpoint to that one. And we've talked about this movie plenty of times. But it's a reason why it's uh, not just a, a classic Disney movie, but just a classic movie in general, uh, because of the grand scope of its musical talents and how everything kind of like uh, it's almost Broadway esque. And when you see like uh, in the in the scene for "Be My Guest," it's very like vibrant, very dancey, very flashy. What you would see in a Broadway show itself, and uh, it translates very well into what we saw in the film, and again in the Broadway show. Um, and yeah, I, I think that the, that that's a good example of what a good musical movie could be, or is essentially. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, yeah, that... didn't uh, "Be My Guest" became one of their like theme songs, right, for Disney after that? Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, the Gaston song, um, if that movie sucked. I would probably still watch it just to hear that song because that song is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a fucking great song, and that guy, uh, fuck it, Gaston's little uh, buddy, like writing a song about your best friend. That's the best way to like to do it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting back to Pink Floyd real quick, though. Sorry yeah. to backtrack a little bit, but I, I, um, have you ever have you ever done the whole Dark Side of the Rainbow thing with Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon? I have not. I'm not very scared of that. Um, Man, I I d- that was like one of the things I downloaded off Napster. Like, oh really? <laughs> yeah, it was like <laughs> a, a like a wave file or whatever it was of like somebody had synced them up together and watched. It's actually really cool. It's I, is it? I, is it? Yeah, yeah. It actually syncs up a lot. I, you know, there's also like Paul Blart Mall Cop that they sync up with Dark Side of the Moon. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and that works relatively well too. But so anyway. <laughs> Uh, that that's also one of the, like the best selling albums of all time, Dark Side of the uh, of the Moon, and I think it's still like in the top hundred of Billboard. Yeah, I think so. Or it just fell out of the top one hundred for the first time like recently or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some kind of crazy record. <laughs> something crazy. I will say, uh, if you're talking about Disney stuff, I mean, I I I didn't think about it till we actually started recording, but um, uh, something that my my mom would always put on when i was a kid and i, I to me it's like the disney uh music, it's fantasia oh, um, yeah. oh I yeah. Mean, yeah yeah, yeah. Ki- kind of like amazing you know to think about the the animation and how they did the animation then and how they synced it up with the music like that's kind of it's kind of mind-blowing if you really think about it yeah absolutely and kind of going back to uh pink floyd um in a, in a way <laughs> um one musical that I really, really do enjoy is um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, mm-hmm. It's um, he's a glam rocker, and I really like glam rock. It's very, very influenced by by David Bowie, but uh, really funny, really good music. Um, pretty, pretty crazy story actually, but uh, it's it's a whole lot of. I, I don't know if it's the quintessential musical like Jesus Christ Superstar or anything done by Disney, 
but it's really good. I, I think it is. I, this is one of the movies that has escaped me plenty of times, but I've, I've heard, heard the music, but I think it is like, it's a quiz. Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird to say like it's quiz quizential. I'm going to have, quiz it is pretty weird, huh? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's such a, cause I've heard it and you're not the only one that has like really talked about it. Like this show is like performed live and it's like, it's big, and I think like in the counterculture, like at the time, and it came out. I think it's like pretty big, and I think it just came into like a bigger name in, in its own. Um, and it, it again, it define it does define an era, like what Jesus Christ Superstar did. I think Hedwig does the same thing, and it's just like again, and uh, just the Nightman cometh carried on with its <laughs> tradition. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to pay the troll toll. <laughs> Even I though never, I'm not I a, a fan of a, really that one's good. Um, even though I I'm not a fan of musicals, I really like documentaries about music. Um, one of my favorite it, there's a trilogy called The Decline of Western Civilization. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one's about punk. It's a uh, really really good really good. Uh, the second one is about the metal years. Uh, that one's really cool too. If you grew up during that time, and if you're, it's like, and, and both of these have really good interviews. Like, um, the the main one that I remember from the metal years is Paul Stanley is on a bed with like a woman on each arm, which is laying there playing with his hair. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the third one's about like it's in the nineties about gutter punks or something. So it kind of gets away from the, I mean, it still is about music, but uh, the first two are really, really good. But um, it's uh, I'm not a really big fan of punk music. There's some that uh, there's some bands that like gang of four and stuff like that, that I can mm-hmm. kind of get into, but um, the documentary will, it kind of opens your eyes to, it's not just the, we are rebelling against stuff. It kind of gets more into the the background of punk music, which is pretty cool. It's really, it's really cool. It's, it's not, it's a little bit about the scene. Cause I, I don't think you can talk about punk rock without talking about talking like about. the whole, the scene of punk rock, but, uh, well, I guess it is a scene, right? But, uh, really mm. good documentary, really interesting. And it's not, to me, a lot of music documentaries are basically about the, you know, the rise of and, uh, oh, they made really shitty decisions and now they're they're broke and poor and, you know, drug addicts or whatever. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's, and the Metal Years one also, it's it's about the music, It's which is, uh, to me, it's really cool. Like, yeah, that's fine that I, everything comes to an end, but, you know, I don't really want to hear about the sad part all the time. I want to yeah, see Paul Stanley right. hanging out in the bin with a couple of hot chicks. <laughs> And show me Randy Rhodes just a whole bunch. Like, please. <laughs> Actually, on the documentary thing, um, just a, as far as like anybody who likes, uh, I would say music in general, but especially guitar, electric guitar, uh, it's a movie called, I think it's called It Might Get Loud or This Might yes. Get Loud. It Might Get Loud. Yeah. Um, it's Jack White, Jimmy Page, and The Edge, um, kind of all just talking about like their philosophy on playing uh, electric guitar and and it's really cool because it's like it's they have very different perspectives on how how you play the instrument. So I would highly recommend that too uh, in the documentary front for sure. I see, sticking with the docu musical thing. Um, I have Dave Grohl's Sound uh, Sound City, and it is the history of a recording studio in Los Angeles. How it how it like rose and then how it just fell and how dave grohl was trying to save it essentially so he got a bunch of musicians to record music with and i think it's a he got uh paul mccartney paul mccartney write, right and uh, yeah Chris Novoselic, Novoselic. yeah oh yeah, yeah. That, that one's good 
Yeah, that, that one's, one's really, really good. It's one of my favorite ones. And Damn, it's yeah. Nirvana with Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you should hear their cover of Lithium. It's amazing. Oh, it's wow. so good. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I don't know if they do one. <laughs> oh, they do. There is one. There is one. It's on YouTube. I want to hear him do Drain Me. <laughs> Drain <laughs> Me. No, but there is a cover uh, that came out on YouTube because they did, uh, they did a small little tour with them through, uh, with them, with them oh, three, really? I think. Yeah. yeah. Another documentary that uh, that I like is, um, so they made it into a really awful series on BET, <laughs> but the the genesis of it was a, a documentary called Beef. Uh, beef is about well, rap beefs. So um, for people who are like, I don't know if you're really into rap, it's like the, the, the I guess, um, it started as like people just talking shit to each other, basically, in, in very musical ways. So beef is kind of the gen- genesis is the word I was like, yeah, uh, it's kind of the genesis of rap. And then it kind of goes into rap beefs because that's kind of what rap is about, telling people mm-hmm. how much cooler you are than them. So it talks about like, uh, gosh, Boogie Down Productions and the Furious Five, I think, are in there. And Kumo D and uh, uh, what's his face? Sugar Hill oh, Gang. Sugar Hill Gang. Uh, they're probably in there. The, um, what's her name? The... the the girl who was in there, Sh- Shania or something like that? Not Shania. I don't know. There was some Shantae. Shantae. Oh, Shantae. Yeah, there was like a fake Shantae, if I, think, if I remember. There's probably some. <laughs> Faux Wait, Shantae? Oh. Faux Shantae. Yeah, there's Shantae. I forgot what the other one, who the other one was. But of course, they talk about Dr. Dre and Eazy-E. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my favorite rap beef of all time, and this is like maybe, I mean, this isn't no surprise. A lot of people like this one. The Jay-Z Nas like rivalry is one of the best ones you'll the songs that like ether is amazing super ugly is awesome the takeover which uh, jay-z does yeah. it's like a that one's so good um my favorite jay-z well my favorite jay-z line just in general is uh i used to want to rap like common sense and i sold a million i haven't rapped like common sense which i think is awesome common sense is common by the way right um yeah um but my favorite line is uh, Nas is on. It's on a uh, super ugly. I think he's talking to Jay Z, and he says, uh, "Jay Z is a founder of Rockefeller, right?" So I don't think he can use this line now. But back when that song came out, Nas tells him, uh, "We rock hoes, you Rockefeller," which I oh. thought was awesome. oh, that's real good. <laughs> I thought that was super cool. He also that's called real. him. A, uh, he also called him a Joe Camel motherfucker, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> They, they can't all. Oh, Sometimes you got to go for the low hanging fruit, you know. Yeah. Well, but... speaking of Joe Camel motherfuckers, uh, I would like to talk <laughs> about some like classic musicals, and there's no more of a Joe Camel motherfucker than Gene Kelly, uh, and uh, singing in the rain <laughs> is. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's like the most iconic musical I think of all time, as far as like film goes. Debbie Reynolds, uh, Donald O'Connor, who like if you've watched any of these old fifties. Singing and dancing movies, you've seen him. Uh, just really, Rita Moreno's in it. Uh, really, really fun movie. It's so hot. Um, it's, uh, and like you'll see it all the time on, uh, especially this time of year, they start playing it on like Turner Classic Movies, AMC, that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, totally, totally worth watching. A lot of fun. Uh, and just that old school, uh, you can tell everything's done on a big soundstage, but like it just adds to it because like it's precision dancing and singing and it's like, 
these these people there's really not i know was it la la land is kind of like a throwback to some of that kind of stuff that's I... uh, come out recently but nothing nothing tops uh in my opinion uh singing in the rain as far as like classic musical kind of stuff like that you can kind of tell too because singing in the rain um for someone like me who's not into him it's super influential but you don't have to have seen singing in the rain to know the songs from it because of you know, clockwork orange but um oh yeah. oh yeah uh la la land um i mean was that four five years uh, the point is it's already been forgotten like, it's, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. yeah absolutely but uh that's kind of like movies in general nowadays <laughs> even the best of them kind of get forgotten but um one that i saw in high school and uh i was a freshman in high school and i didn't really care for it at the time but i've seen it a couple times since for some reason but it, it's it's you know, a, g- a generic one, but um, generic in the sense that everyone has seen it. Uh, West Side Story. I think it's a really love West Side cool, Story. Yeah, it's a cool musical. I mean, it's the songs are really. It, it's funny. It, it's silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, that's another thing that I like about older because Singing in the Rain also kind of has, like you said, the sound studio. It's infectious, but mm-hmm. there's a silliness to it that uh, yeah. they're they're not joking around and they're not like um, um, West Side Story deals with some pretty serious themes in it that are even topical today yeah, but gang uh violence, racism. yeah exactly racism gang violence. but <laughs> there's kind of like a I, I, I don't i don't want to say goofiness to it but it, it's fun it's like whimsical like we bring up that yeah, word whimsical. a lot there i think go. and it's like you know it's i think that's what makes these old movies great like even like uh like on my list i had uh little shop of horrors i i love little shop of horrors man it's like look at the cast again a bunch of really talented Steve Martin, you know, Rick Moranis and Bill Murray, just all, John Candy. I mean, there's just a ton of people in it. And it's just like really talented people doing really talented stuff. And it's like it's got whimsy. I mean, West Side Story. I, I remember I, I, th- I don't think any of our friends were much. And this is like very like inside baseball for our group of friends. But like we were in Dallas uh, to, to watch our friends band play like a showcase thing. And we ran around the Galleria Mall snapping our fingers in unison like fucking west side story because it was fun and it was like it was goofy and like that stuff sticks with you uh exactly like what you're saying these things have like staying power that a lot of stuff just doesn't anymore yeah yeah and as we uh get to the end of the decade uh maybe that'll be a topic for january about great movies that you just don't remember or care about anymore um (laughs) so what do you what do you think happened with because musicals were like it seemed like uh in the early studio era Hollywood, like everything that came out was anything important that came out was a musical. And then it just kind of changed. I, I don't, I don't know when the fifties maybe, but Western they, they certainly Westerns kills West, the musical. Westerns kills. Why didn't, why didn't they come back? Well, I like, don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like uh, there, there's so many genres now that I think a musical is a niche type of uh, film. I don't and... know. I would argue that they're pretty prevalent nowadays. Like Les Miserables, uh, freaking The Greatest yeah. Showman is a, was a pretty big movie. Uh, yeah, Phantom yeah. of the Opera from two thousand four. Like the, yeah. I, I I don't know. Like I would argue that they're still pretty you know relevant. Uh, I don't know. Like they right. they're they're, they're yeah. definitely they're definitely not the highlight of Hollywood anymore. Like you were saying, but. Um, I think there's still like really great opportunities for really talented people to show off their their stuff. Like Moulin Rouge, I mean th- mm-hmm. that that was a that was like a thing, man. You know, and like yeah. go to Vegas. I mean, fucking all that shit's fucking still there. You know, so I don't know. Like I, I think it's still around. I I think I think because it's it's not Hollywood darling anymore, and I do think like westerns did kill it, but uh, I don't think 
it because of the Broadway scene and all that stuff, which is big. A lot of that's coming over to Hollywood. I mean, fuck cats. Like, I mean, that shit looks terrible. <laughs> Nobody but, wants that though. God damn it. Yeah, but that. I mean, th- that took how many years for it to be on a big screen? You know, yeah, long time. It, it took a long time. And so, I mean, it's <laughs> not it's enough. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's showing like now that musicals are like Broadway musicals are finally like like coming into like uh, Hollywood cinema because I guess nothing in the Hollywood cinema is original anymore, and you get things that are being borrowed into into our into our you know into normal films, but I don't think it, I think it's 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 just harder to find now. Uh, if it's not a Disney film or not something that's like again La La Land, what's something not hugely original, I guess. Yeah, but like I don't know. I think, and I'm like, you're right. You're got. You're totally. You guys are right. But like, there's like very few things that have staying power, like a musical. Like if I really think about it, like uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. We talk mm-hmm. about it all the fucking time. Uh, Grease. Fucking people love Grease. Like great. Ah, great. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Willy Wonka is a thing that, you know, I, I had on my list that I love that's just always in the zeitgeist, you know. So it's like, Absolutely. I don't know. Like, it's they're always hanging around. I, I think we'll always have, uh, was it a high school musical? Uh, yeah. And all the, uh, what was the. Oh, that? man. Thanks for ruining my, la- my, my, my. Sorry. Final line. <laughs> uh yeah high school musical um well you're you know what it is about music? i mean i'm guessing i'm guessing because uh, they're um they're catching like it's one thing to remember like like uh you know something like reservoir dogs or pulp fiction where people can kind of quote along with them but you can't oh, walk around singing like dogs musical <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great so we'll put that on the bucket list <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, you you can walk around and hum like you know when you're a jet you're a jet for life but you can't really walk around and hum like uh, you know whatever don't you fucking die on me or, or you know <laughs> I'm fucking dying here <laughs> you're gonna be okay so uh, every Saturday you can find us here um, the rest of the week you can go to adventuresinportaste.com where you can find all our podcasts we have um, talking tauntauns uh, poor taste wrestling CM Punk's back so yay um, you can go to that. the comics. Yeah, there's that. Uh, you can go to the comics podcast, and we also have Adventures in Pod Taste, which is just our general podcast. Also, have a bunch of reviews up. Um, right now, there is a review for a movie called Two Evil Eyes. It's uh, check out this team up uh, Dario Argento, George Romero, making movies of Edgar Allan Poe short oh, stories. <laughs> it shouldn't be good, but it's. <laughs> Really? Oh, Harvey Keitel is in this also. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Because we're professionals, you can also follow us in adventures, Adventure in Movies on Twitter over at AAPT Movies, or you can follow us individually. You can find Pat Nathaniel on Instagram at Nathan Portes, and you can find me, Danny, over on Twitter and Instagram at Default Player, and you can find the beautiful Blake on Twitter at Four Eyed Horror. Beautiful. That's right. Um, and we have uh, next week we have sports documentaries. Uh, that's going to be exciting. I think Pat has forced my hand. <laughs> now I have to get this <laughs> ESPN Plus. Thing. So also uh, make sure you're, you subscribe to this podcast. You get access to all this stuff way earlier. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. I heard a rumor that you can find us on iHeartRadio. You can. Absolutely. So there you go. And if you don't want to go to any of those places because you're a loser, you can go to our <laughs> website. <laughs> you can just listen to, you can listen to the show straight from there. Um, make sure to give us a rating or just tell a friend to listen. And...
that's our cue. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate the word. Uh, yes.